Welcome to the Tusker Sports Weekly, episode number 117, your one-stop shop for all things Husker sports. We're back for another week. Before the season begins for Nebraska, we are currently, as of recording this, almost 14 days to the hour, to the minute, from Nebraska football kicking off against Minnesota up in Minneapolis on Grant's favorite new saying, 831, oh August God, 31st, 2023. So we are a week closer in the countdown, and next week, I mean, we're going to be venturing into game preview time, which is crazy. So that's fun to think about. We're not there quite yet, but we do have a loaded show for you today. We will talk news that have that has come out of camp over the past week or so, especially the wide receiver room, which we will lead off with. We will talk about what is the most important game, in your opinion, on Nebraska's schedule this year. And I think there's a handful that you could make an argument for. And then we're going to point out our five most anticipated college football games that are not Nebraska this year. Grant has them ranked, apparently. I do. I need to uh, do that as the show progresses, but I have a good idea of what games I'm going to pick because... My goodness, there are a lot, at least preseason on paper right now, that could have major playoff implications, and obviously we are all here for that as college football fans. But before we get started, Grant Hanson and Connor Clark here with you as always. You can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson, not Hanson. Ian, not Owen. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and find our show on Spotify, uh, iTunes, wherever you want to listen to podcasts or search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast network. So let's get right into things. So episode 117 and the wide receiver room has been the question. Xavier Betts, no more with the team, uh, just kind of caps off a very interesting history with this football program in total. Told Coach Rule last weekend that Quote, his heart wasn't in it, and so he is no longer on the team, but um, I thought Coach Rule and the rest of the coaching staff handled that quite well, very maturely. They wished him nothing but the best, and they are moving on. So that is causing some, you know, you pair that with some injuries that this wide receiver room has been enduring, and all of a sudden, you're talking about redshirt freshmen starting and other people. So there's going to have to be some some names that step up, and you never know when your number is going to be called, and well, there's going to be multiple numbers called when it comes to that Minnesota game to open up the year. Yeah, you think about bets. Uh, it's such a weird, weird thing. I, I really wonder, you just wonder what drove all of this because he worked very, very hard to stop when he did. Right. Considering the amount of credit hours he took over the course of the spring and I'm assuming a little bit during the summer as well, um, you know, working to get himself back in playing shape. Uh, you know, the, the coaching staff had plenty of great things to say about him throughout the offseason, and then he just suddenly decides that, you know what, he doesn't want to play. Uh, it's such an odd, odd situation. But again, I, I think, you know, to your point, the staff has done a really, really good job of handling it. Um, you know, not only... And, and they had no idea, by the way, too. I, yes. mean, I think we should throw that in there. It was a surprise to Coach Rule. And, and you also see this kind of this reemerging sort of theme where the staff really wants to talk about the players that are there at certain – that's kind of their way of getting around answering. I mean, it's – don't get me wrong. I mean, there's there's definitely, I think, value in it. And um, and it's, it's, it's something that's probably, I think, a good thing culturally. Um, but – 
it's also kind of their way of getting around questions of why certain guys aren't at practice or whatever. Um, like for example, uh, now to be fair, again, to be fair, the staff has done a really good job about answering questions regarding those things. Right. Um, speaking of opening statements, it feels like almost every rule press conference so far has begun with an opening statement of some kind, giving a state of the team sort of update where he often does detail those things. Um, but you see the staff again and then again, and again, um, saying, Hey, we want to emphasize the guys who are in that room who are working. Garrett McGuire said that when he was asked about bets departing, you know, coach, coach rule talked about that when he was, uh, at the beginning of the year asked about the absence of miles farmer at fan day and some other players, or rather he addressed tweets about that when people noticed that those players uh, were not at fan day. Um, but he said, Hey, look, I think that takes away from the guys who are there. So you're seeing that theme reemerge um, throughout this. But I think the attention now obviously seems to be turning, at least in terms of the discussion surrounding that wide receiver room, to Alex Bullock and Ty Hahn, and maybe more so Bullock than Hahn. It's a, it's a really interesting thing because I, I think you start to wonder, and I think I have this thought a lot of times, how often – is a player talked about at these press conferences because a coach is asked about that player specifically or because like you kind of get in this mindset and for those who don't know how it works right like you come into these mind these things as a writer saying okay I want to I need a feature story out of this a short feature story oftentimes sometimes there's other things going on that motivate you right but you know at least in my position in sort of this lower level area, right? Like you want to come out of this with a feature story. Other writers are trying to do the same thing about whether it's like assistant tight end coach Josh Martin the other day, or, you know, or a wider, you know, a specific wide receiver like Alex Bullock, for example. Right. And so everybody asks not only Bullock, but also other people who talk about Bullock, right? Like you're going to ask Garrett McGuire about Bullock. You're going to ask Matt rule about Mm -hmm. Bullock. You're going to ask other skill position players about Bullock. And so, Sometimes you sort of start to wonder, or at least I do from time to time, right? Like how much of the discussion in fall camp about a certain player is because they're performing at that level or is it or sort of is it more of that hype generated by just by media members asking about that player specifically to a lot of different people. So that that's one thing that kind of looms in my head with Bullock. Alex Bullock, he appeared in two games last year, the Georgia Southern game and the Iowa game. He made a tackle in the Iowa game that was his only tackle of the year because he played on special teams. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's been a name that's been popping up, six foot two, two 205 pounds from Creighton Prep out of Omaha, so local guy. Um, and, and you mentioned there's been a lot of talk about him potentially, uh, you know, seeing the field, and he's probably going to have to see the field at some point this year, whether that's week one or, you know, week four. I mean, just kind of depending on the injuries, obviously. I mean, question marks surrounding Marcus Washington when he's going to return and, and other guys like that. So, I mean, this, this now is the time, right? I mean, there's no more chit-chat. I mean, I guess there's two weeks left to chit-chat, but it doesn't really feel like that, right? It's, it's going to be here before you know it. And Rule has been, you know, preaching about – you heard it in the first episode of a look in or a look in, if you will – and he, he preaches that, hey, you can't just proclaim to be tough, right? Like, you, you got to go earn it. And this is a guy that is kind of a prime example of that. Like, hey, you're going to be like, let's not sugarcoat it. Say he gets thrown in and plays a ton during Minnesota. He's getting thrown into a tough situation. 
I, I don't think there's any other way around that. First game under a new coach, and you're a, a local kid that's being thrown into the fire. Now, sometimes that's the best for players, but we've also heard Rule talk about, I don't know if any of the younger guys are really going to get to play because they don't need to right now. But now that's starting to change as well. And, I mean, not to get off topic here too, but, like, I feel like a lot of people are kind of commenting on, on Malachi Coleman's size too. I mean, right, a young are, wide receiver, yeah. freshman from Lincoln East, obviously. You all know him. I, I, they say he's not going to play. I see. I don't think. I don't think it's quite like. I mean. I again. I guess we as we he might have to though. I, I think it's a situation. It's not like it's a percentage of snaps more than anything. Right. So I mean, def, not play probably doesn't mean literally not play. I, Malachi exactly, Cole, yeah. Malachi Coleman is not going to be to finish the year in a position where he has that four game red shirt still available to him. He will. He will burn through more than four games this year. I think. I hope so. I I mean I would I would like to see that that yeah. that'll be nice. I'm sure many would. The the fan in me would like to see that. Now I mean the other side of the things with Bullock right is the media can ask about him to a lot of different people, but they don't really control what they say, uh, what right. what the interviewees say. And look, the comments have been glowing from everyone. I think, and I could go through probably several, but the one that jumps out the most is from Thomas Fedoni. I think just a couple of days ago. Here's what he said. He said, Alex Bullock is probably one of the best receivers and route runners I have ever seen. He can shift, move his hip, run routes. That kid's pretty crazy. I've been on his side since high school. We used to do camps or run routes together and always been on that kid's side. He's going to shock a lot of people. So I think I think you have to kind of look at his the arc of his career. I mean, yes, he only had South Dakota State as a true scholarship offer coming out of college but his senior season was 2020 I mean it's smack dab in the middle of COVID so that times that problem that's a problem for him just in terms of his ability to go and visit schools schools to get eyes on him all that stuff so um I I think I think there's a probably a a contingent of the fan base that is worried that this is another Wyatt Leeward sort of situation Mm. and I I just I, I don't I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, you know, I, I don't think I don't think this staff is going to have any trouble putting its best players on the field in those situations, whether it's Alex Bullock or someone else. And I and I, I don't think I, th- I think as you talk to a lot of the players, you you would realize that they want the best players on the field, even if that doesn't mean them. I, I think that is that mentality is very prevalent. I agree. And you saw that in a majority of areas in the Frost regime about, you know, who, who's playing and, and where and, and when, right? I mean, yeah, situational personnel. That was a problem, I think. A uh, huge problem. I mean, I'll just point out one example. Granted, COVID season, no offense to this guy, great athlete, but should McCaffrey really be starting at quarterback in, in that situation? I don't know. Probably not. Looking back on it, so just kind of that—that's an example of misusage of people at, at the wrong time. So I, I agree. I, I don't think this this regime hopefully will will not fall victim to that or, or cause that uh, at any point in time. But yeah, there, there's going to be a couple of guys who need to step up in this wide receiver room, and it, it, it will come as early as Week One against Minnesota in what will be a, a tough game, a good environment, and probably a pretty solid Minnesota team. So. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to, to, to see how that whole thing works out and how how the running game can be relied upon 
when it comes to August 31st, uh, 31st in, in 831. two weeks. Yeah, 831. I, oh, my God. 831 p.m. It's so frustrating. I, I don't I, – so I, I don't uh, – what, what bugs me is not the use of that term by players and coaches. It's Everybody media members using it back to them in questions. <laughs> and that suddenly just happened on Monday. It was like Garrett McGuire said 831 a couple of times. And then I think it was in the – the look in episode two as well yes it was and then many i just i don't think you can ask a question about minnesota now in this media contingent <laughs> without saying 831 at some point everybody go tweet at grant 831 I, I want to see 831 all over his mentions so 831 that could be arguably to some the most important game on this nebraska football schedule this year could be I would like to make an argument for a different game, potentially. I mean, you you could make an argument for. I have two. I I want to hear if you're, I, my second one. The Minnesota game is one of them. I want to hear if yours is my second one. See, I have two. Minnesota the Minnesota game, obviously important, but I don't think it's the most important. To to be really honest with you, because. So the last two years, and it seems like we've had the same conversation. Oh, I think I know what this is, where this is going. Yeah, you probably do. Illinois-Northwestern games, you lose, everybody thinks the season's over, right? Now, obviously, 2021, point differential, one-score games, whatever. You lose to Northwestern in Ireland. You, you knew what happened there. I think, and we talked about this on Hale Varsity yesterday, the... The cost of losing is nowhere near as large as those two games. But the cost of losing in a different game, I think, is maybe not as close, but is a lot closer than the Minnesota game, and that's the Colorado game. Because that's a game that you should be favored in. It's a rival, and it's it's a team that you should beat. Now, look, oh, yeah. if if you beat Minnesota, great. You're, you're setting yourself up for a lot of momentum. Do I think they will beat Minnesota? No, as of right now. But I think even if you lose to Minnesota, granted it's not either A, a blowout, or B, in some heartbreaking fashion that we've been accustomed to the past couple of years, you still have three great chances to build a lot of momentum and become 3-1. Three and one. Three winnable games back-to-back-to-back. Colorado, Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech. That leads you to Michigan at 3-1. and one. I think that Colorado game sets the tone for those next three games, and I think that's an extremely important game to have in the win column. Would you like me to go into my second one before you... you no, sit? I have two, too, actually. I have two games as well, so I, I go ahead and fire off with that. I, I think... I, I, well, actually, sorry. <laughs> if you want to say it, go. No, I, I, think, um, I, I think the interesting thing with that Colorado game overall is this is kind of... In in my mind, this is the like, sort of like the put up or shut up area for Nebraska in terms yeah. of finding out stylistically how this team is going to play um, under Matt Rule. Because <clears throat> I think I think we've seen enough to know that this team is going to go heavy eye. That it at times they're going to use the fullback. They're going to do power running. They're going to do twelve personnel, two tight ends. Right. So do they stick to that in this game? Are they able to do that? Because, look, theoretically, and everyone's seen the pictures of Colorado's <laughs> roster, right? Like, I'm looking at guys, like, they're usually, these DBs, at the very least, DBs, like Travis Hunter, 6'1", 185, he's on the bigger side. 
for those DBs. I, I mean, I think you're looking at, and I wish I had a better, like, more sure metric for you, but somewhere in the neighborhood of 5'9 to 6'1 and 165 to 180. And so... Like, Nebraska, this should be a team, like, again, just from the eyeball perspective, this should be a team that Nebraska is capable of just pushing around. Yeah, they should out-physical Colorado, no question. Yeah. So, if they don't do that, that's a big red flag. Huge red flag. So, there you go. There's, there's my thought on that, which I think, you're right, I think that's an important game for sure. Like, because, like, say you lose to Minnesota, say you lose to Colorado, you're off to O2 hole. Yeah, that's pretty rough. That is bad. So I think that's why. It's that definitely a, a nightmare scenario. A, yes. That's why there's a lot of importance riding on that Colorado game, other than the fact that it's Colorado, just in the grand scheme of your season. The next most important game, and uh, I, I have a feeling this is your other one, but I could be wrong. Illinois. It's not. It's not. Okay, good. I was hoping it was different. Illinois is the game right after Michigan. You go on the road, you play them on a short week. How do you respond from what will probably be a Michigan loss? Right. Because after Illinois, you have Northwestern at home, a team you should beat. I mean, it, if Northwestern beats anybody in the Big Ten this year, I'll be shocked. And then you have Purdue at home, which is another winnable game. New coach. I know Purdue's been better than you, but how will they adjust? And then you go on the road to Michigan State, and that's kind of you know a coin flip game. But the two games after Illinois, I think, are, are two opportunities for you to, to get in the win column. So how do you respond from that Michigan game where you know the atmosphere is going to be electric no matter what? We found out it's going to be 11 a.m. on Fox. Yep. So big noon kickoff time. It's going to be a college football playoff national championship contending team. Depending on what Georgia does, could be number one, but I highly doubt it. And how do you respond from that? And how do you respond on a short week? You're playing at, you're playing in Champaign, Illinois, on a Friday night. You go from Big Noon Kickoff Memorial Stadium, and this is no offense to Illinois fans, but you go from Big Noon Kickoff at your at your place where it's going to be rocking. You know it's going to be rocking to a Friday night at Illinois. How do you respond there? I think that game is going to be extremely important to set up the second half of your season. Yeah, I, that's a great point. And the physicality of both of those teams. Yes. Both those teams are incredibly, incredibly physical. You have a team who's pretty good in Michigan on the defensive side of the ball, but certainly has arguably one of the best offensive line groups in the country. Yes. And then defensively for Illinois, between Dershon, Johnny Newton, and Keith Randolph Jr. in the middle of that defensive line, you've got two of the best. You've got probably the best one-two punch in terms of an interior defensive line com combo in the country. So... I, I agree. Like those two games definitely have a lot of weight. All right, let's hear it, Mr. Hanson. All right, I'm I'm not gonna think outside the box here. Okay. Um well, I don't think so. I at least I don't think I'm thinking outside the box. To me, number one is Minnesota. <laughs> it's I mean, not that's, close. I, I I know I didn't say Minnesota, but that's a completely fair like yes. it's the first game of the year, it's in conference play. Right? Not only that, it's the first game in the Matt Rule era. Yeah. And if look, I get it. But there's a long way Husker fans hope to go in the Matt Rule era. Um, but, man, you look at the first game of the Scott Frost era <laughs> and the way it kind of unintentionally sort of, I don't know, was a herald of the nasty sort of... Very foreshadowing. It was, it was foreshadowing. If Nebraska goes out here and lays an egg... There's going to be people in the fan base who are worried about that. Uh, 
I, I think it's important for Nebraska to stick with Minnesota in this game. Uh, winning it maybe not necessarily the most important thing um, for the course of the rest of the season, but if you get absolutely trounced by right. a team that is replacing its quarterback and six-year starter at running back and has relatively no skill position players of note apart from Chris Ottman Bell, who's been there for seven years, and then Brevin Span Ford, who's a relatively talented tight end, but Nebraska should be able to match what Minnesota is bringing to the table, I think, from a skill position perspective. If you get absolutely trounced in that game, there's there's immediate red flags. So that one is number one for me. Now, the other one I could really see people making a strong argument for is Wisconsin. Hmm. And I get it. It's late in the year. But we mentioned this. I mentioned this when Matt Rule was hired and Luke Fickle was hired roughly soon after. Within the Big Ten, those two are going to be compared against each other for, I think, a long time because they're hired in the same cycle, because they were hired at relative rivals. Both big hires, too. Major hires. And so the thought is, whoever, in in my mind, I think the thought nationally, at least within the two fan bases, will be, Whoever fails, if one of them fails, or whoever does worse, that fan base is going to be wanting the opposing fan base's coach. I think it's really important for Nebraska to pick up a win against Wisconsin, especially a year ago where you had a team that was inarguably the worst Wisconsin team of the last decade. And they still went to a bowl. And they they (laughs) still went to a bowl, and then Nebraska still choked away a chance at beating them in their home stadium. You know, I, I think I think that game just from a big picture perspective, it might because it's so late in the year, it probably won't have a huge effect on where things are at for Nebraska. Although maybe it is a point where Nebraska's sitting in that five yeah. six win range, four win range, and they're trying to get to six. But I, I think from a long term big picture view of things, I think that game actually can be pretty important. So you're looking more at the long term there. Yeah, I'm looking more at kind of the short term this season like because the Illinois so like the Colorado pick for me is to set up the next three yeah games. if you lose if let's say okay like let's say they lose Minnesota if you lose Colorado too that's huge there's a lot of pressure on north you on you to win the northern Illinois game and the La Tech game and then you take a lot of steam out of the crowd heading into Michigan if, yeah. if Nebraska is three and one or four and oh going into that Michigan game the crowd the atmosphere there will be top notch yeah if they're two and two or worse I think it won't be as powerful as it potentially could be. I agree. And then, again, that Illinois pick is setting up the next six games, again, including two winnable games right after with Northwestern and Purdue. But good picks. I I mean, I can't really argue against, obviously, the Minnesota game. That's probably – if I'm not picking Illinois or Colorado, I'm picking the Minnesota game, right? right. I mean, first game of the Matt Rule era, first game in conference play, how do you – how do you roll out? Um, yeah, and then Wisconsin long-term, yeah, that, that, that does make a lot of sense when you're just comparing the timeline of, of Fickle and Rule um, and, and all those things. Before we move on from the Big Ten, or I guess Nebraska as a total, uh, while we were recording this, 24-7 came out with their final record predictions for the year. Sorry, I know it's a rival, but we're You know, it I is what it. it is. I saw it and I thought it was interesting. So I'm just going to go down the list and we'll we'll, we'll kind of do what we did with uh the, the conference teams last year about 
one or two words how you Or just feel higher about or lower. That's my yeah. thought. Yeah. That's higher fair. or lower on the record. All right. Uh, we'll start at the bottom. Northwestern, 2-10, and 0-9 in conference. Uh, lower. I agree. I think, they, I think they could go winless. I, I think there's a very high possibility that they go winless. And, I mean, let me – I'm going to pull their schedule here just to make sure I'm not making a complete fool of myself. Speaking of Northwestern, too, Pat Fitzgerald, now a volunteer parent coach at Loyola Academy in Wilmette, Illinois, which is a high school. A very good high school program. His sons go there. So, uh, the Wildcats lost to the Salukis a year the ago. Southern, baby. Um, yeah, so – Pride of Carbondale. Now their their non-con schedule. You got UTEP in there. Who went five and seven last year? So I maybe there's an opportunity for a win, but that's still going to be and that's on the road. Or no, that's at Ryan. Sorry. And then um, it's essentially the same thing. Rutgers, UTEP, Duke, Minnesota, Penn State. Howard is your chance for a win at Ryan Field. If you lose to the, I guess we will call them Fighting Kamala Harris's now. <laughs> um, but if you lose to the Howard Bison. Um. Yeah, that that'd be pretty rough. Well, that's how I felt about Southern Illinois last year, and that didn't. Well, yeah. Win. So, the one and eleven or win two is really kind, man. I I, I I agree. I agree. Let's move on. Indiana three and nine, one and eight in conference. I think that's probably pretty accurate. I think it's about right as well. Rutgers four and eight, one and eight in conference. Good. Yeah, I would I would say so. Well, I mean, what's their ceiling for you? Six. Six. Yeah. Michigan. Quar- uh, yeah, quarterback or, plays a huge problem. Yes, it's a massive problem. I almost skipped over a team. Purdue five and seven, two and seven in the league. So who are they projecting? Do they say what they're projecting the wins as? Uh, no, it's just the <laughs> records. Yeah. So then you're saying they're beating Northwestern, and then. They're probably beating Northwestern, and do they play Rutgers or Indiana? Yeah, let me. That's probably it. Indiana. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could five and seven, I could see that. Like non-con is Fresno State, Virginia Tech, and Syracuse. So you're, you're assuming they win all of those. So I mean, I, I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be Northwestern and Indiana. Would Northwestern be and Indiana, the last two yeah. games of the year. Yeah. Uh, Michigan State six and six, four and five in the league. Mel Tucker, where is his money? Yeah, uh, he's hanging on to it, and <laughs> Michigan State fans are worried. Yeah. Uh, look, this one's this one's interesting because you got the future Big Ten matchup on the schedule with Washington. Um, your your crossovers are Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska. So, um, yeah, this one is really really fascinating. You're saying they're saying six and six there. I feel like that might be the I worst lower, case scenario for Michigan State too. To be honest with I'm you, I'm gonna say lower than six and six. Because if they're six and six, you're—I mean—you're stuck. Yeah, you can't get rid of Mel Tucker, right? And you're still paying him all that money to be mediocre. So I think you're stuck. I think six and six is probably fine. If they go five and seven, I wouldn't be too terribly shocked. I think they lose Minnesota. I think they lose to Maryland, and I think they would probably—they'll beat Rutgers, beat Rutgers, Minnesota. Indiana. Well, maybe they won't be in it. Yeah, I think you're assuming. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's tough because they're not winning. I mean, they'll beat Richmond and Central Michigan, but they're not going to beat Washington. Mm-hmm. Next team, and I'm kind of surprised. Maryland at seven and five, four and five in the league. Now, if you look at Maryland's schedule, 
They are at Ohio State. They host Penn State, and they host Michigan. They play at Rutgers to finish the year. They're at Nebraska. They're at Northwestern. They host Illinois. They host Indiana. Uh, I, I mean, I think this is probably an eight-win team. Really? So, so you go, think higher? I'll, I'll go higher. Yeah, I mean, you're you're betting that they'll beat Virginia. Their offense excites me. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. And you put it all together enough, you know. Um, you like can they win? Can they get Illinois in a shootout? Like, can you can you defensively crack that nut? You know, um, that's a yeah. I, I, you know what? I think seven and five is right. I think that's about right. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they're underselling them a, a little bit. Next up on the list, your Nebraska Cornhuskers at seven and five and four and five in the league. I'm going to go lower. I am too. Six and six. I've said it all off season. Yeah. Their seventh win would come in a bowl game. Yeah, I think it's that's the six and six. Right now, feels like the ceiling because there's there's again we we talked earlier about the potential of you know Alex Bullock making an, an impact in the skill position area. I think they're better than Minnesota in the skill position area, or at least even with the Golden Gophers. The problem is I just don't I it it's just not enough. I don't think it's enough, and it is an easier schedule, um, but. I just seven and five would surprise me, and that for sure. I mean, six and six, I feel like is currently the ceiling. I don't, I don't see how they get above seven and five. I agree. Illinois seven and five, five and four in the Big Ten. I'm gonna go higher on this one. Really? I think yeah, it's, spot it's on. this is this team is. You worry about again. You worry about the quarterback, and granted, Kansas. That's a really sneaky game, September eighth. Uh, at 6.30 in Lawrence. Um, But you get Toledo, Kansas, Florida Atlantic. Crossover games here are Penn State. Casey Thompson starting quarterback for FAU. That'll be interesting because – Or he should be the starter. Man, that defensive front. (laughs) Uh, Penn State is the crossover in Indiana. So, like, those are favorable crossovers uh, in Maryland. So, uh, I I think they're closer to eight. Closer to eight? I – that's fair. I think I think I'll go I'll be conservative and say seven and five for them. I think I think it's good, but if they did win eight, I wouldn't be horribly shocked. I think saying that they'll win eight games is, I, is yeah. a fair take. That's notice a, a team that we haven't said yet. Nebraska's first opponent, Minnesota, eight and four, six and three in the Big Ten. I'll go lower on this one. Uh, I'm thinking somewhere in that seven and five, six and six range for the Golden Gophers. Again, Questions abound on the skill position front. I think they'll beat Nebraska at the beginning of the year. Um, but North Carolina is an incredibly difficult non-conference game. Don't underestimate the Rage and Cajuns of Louisiana. There we go. That's on there as well. Michigan as a crossover. Um, luckily, they get State. them at home, luckily. Ohio State is another crossover that there. Sucks. So I've, eight wins. I mean, you're looking at beating Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois, Michigan State. Uh, Northwestern and Nebraska. Iowa, Louis. Yeah, I mean that's. I I I, I think they're lower than eight. Let's see. Yeah, I didn't realize they played UNC in their non-con. Yeah, I'll go lower than eight with you. I think as well. I think I'll go seven and five for, for Minnesota, Iowa nine and three, six and three in the Big Ten. Spot on. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think that's spot on. Wisconsin. Ten and two, seven and two in the Big Ten. Uh, hell no. Lower. Lower. 
And we, we I am were, so confused by this still. I think they'll be fine, but I don't think they'll be a 10-win team. Buffalo, Washington State, and Georgia Southern are uh, your non-con there. The legend of Georgia Southern. You grows. have to go. You host Ohio State. Again, that'll be another fascinating game. Now, again, the crossovers are friendly because you get Indiana and Rutgers there. Um, Very. Friendly. But ten and two, I just, I mean, you're losing. I see. I mean, I don't think they beat Iowa. So there's one. They won't beat Ohio State. I wonder if they'll beat Washington State. So that's three losses. Illinois will be tough. So there's, I will go ahead and chalk that up as four, minimum. And in Nebraska, I mean, they get Nebraska at home, but oh, oh yeah, their crossovers certainly do help them out. I'm, I, I say they probably win eight. Ten is a lot of games for a team that we haven't seen play. Yeah, I with think a new I coach think nine, and new staff. Nine is probably the ceiling, but. Hey, 24-7 has them at 10-2. Penn State, 10-2, 7-2 in the league. Guess who their two losses are? That's fair. Uh, well, Michigan and there you go. Ohio State. Yes. <laughs> yes, I think that's spot on. And they yeah. will probably lose to both Michigan and Ohio State. You have to beat – I mean, you have to beat both to be a playoff contender. I mean, that's, that's, well, a, yeah. that's a daunting task. Yeah. Ohio State, 11-1, 8-1 in the conference – I think that's fair. I think that's good. Yeah, I think just given, I think you just got to give that to the Buckeyes given current history. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is interesting. Obviously, Michigan's at the top, but 11 and 1, 8 and 1 in the conference. Who are they losing to? Well, I mean, are they saying they're losing to Ohio State? Who's Ohio State losing to? I would say Ohio State's losing to Michigan. And I, and I 100% agree with that at this point in the game. Just, Again, given the what what went down last year, um, the Penn State maybe, but Penn State has two losses and they're now they'll play Notre Dame. That's probably the the big game in the non-con. I'm no, I'm saying Michigan. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a confusing one. I mean, maybe Michigan State. I I I think. I'm, I'll go higher on that. I, I think Michigan yeah. finishes the regular season undefeated. I agree. I'm just trying to figure out because I, I, I mean, it's got to be either they have them losing to Penn State, which doesn't make sense based on the record that they gave them. Or it's, not a non, State. it's not a non-con game because it's East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. Well, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Maybe they're saying upset alert off of 10th off of and Vine. I, I don't know. Probably not. But yeah. there you have it. Record predictions for the Big Ten this year, which uh, – Pretty interesting. So that eleven and one for Michigan, that's gonna keep me up at night, even though I don't like Michigan whatsoever. I <laughs> I just don't see a world where they do they lose a game yeah. uh, in the regular season. I don't know, maybe Ohio State gets the best of them, but it's in Michigan. I mean, I I just don't see that happening. So let's move on. Five most anticipated games that are not Nebraska, just in college football this year. You have them ranked. I do. So I would like you to go first. All of them? Sure. Okay. Now begin furiously typing on your computer. All right. Uh, number five for me is Wisconsin versus Iowa. I think this is sort of towards the middle of the year. I was looking. I should have wrote down which week all of these games were. Um, but this is really fascinating for me. I know divisions are going away, but I, I want to see what the new look Iowa offense looks like against whatever Wisconsin is. Um, 
I, I think this game is really fascinating. And again, it's a chance for Luke Fickle to make an early statement. Actually, go one at a time. Sorry. Okay. Well, there you go. So there's my first one, Wisconsin versus Iowa. Wisconsin versus Iowa. Mm, I will go, and this kicks off the year. I'm going to go Florida State LSU. I like that at rematch five. at five. Okay. I like that rematch. I think LSU wins. They get revenge. Figure out if Florida State is for real. Yeah, I, I've been listening to a lot of – we've talked about him a lot on the show, Joel Klatt. We both really like him. Yep. I agree with what he has to say about Florida State. I mean, they could very well start 2-2 two and two this year. And this is one of the games that they lose. So I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game. It was great last year. Florida State won on a blocked PAT. I mean, it was phenomenal in the Superdome in in Nolens. So I, I'll put that at the five spot. That's, That's going to be a six thirty game. game on a Sunday night, right? Or is yes, that... but Monday is Labor Day. Uh, right, right. Okay. So you can stay up and watch okay, it. That game is going to be very fun to watch. Not that you wouldn't stay up and watch it anyway, <laughs> but go ahead. All right, uh, number four for me. I've got Clemson versus Florida State. So there's my other one. Uh, Sort of the same vibes, right? Like trying to figure out is Florida State for real? Now, this is obviously a little bit later in the year, but uh, Clemson is a team that, also speaking of Joel Klatt, he thinks can run the table in that conference. Mm -hmm. um, so does Clemson kind of return to national prominence after being dormant for a few years after the departure of Trevor Lawrence? I'm going to throw a curveball in here at four, I think. And I need to find what week it's in. But this is a game that is I think it's uncharted and scary territory for for a lot of people and it could be for the team that they're playing what week is this game there it is jeez <laughs> Texas at Alabama ah the hook'em horns against the roll tide cuz it was a great game last year in Austin they go to Bryant Denny this year in Tuscaloosa people are doubting Alabama which is the scary part you don't you you hate you hate giving Nick Saban that external motivation. And Texas is, I mean, they have the most talented roster of the Big 12. I mean, top to bottom. So, the, like, they will be the best team in the Big 12, or they should be at least. So I'm really interested to see how Texas, they come up a point short last year. Mm -hmm. How do they do on the road at Alabama with a team that's going to have a new quarterback and people are doubting? How does that play out? So I think Texas-Alabama is definitely a game to, to keep your eyes peeled for. For me, uh, my number that's my number three, Alabama-Texas. Okay, Again, it's just a situation where it's like, all right, is Texas ready for the SEC? Because it is at Alabama. It is in true SEC territory. And theoretically, Texas could have an SEC-level talented roster. So I that that game is incredibly fascinating to me. Especially with the way things turned out a year ago, I, I, I think, I think that one is could be either end up being a real wake up call for Texas or a wake up call for the rest of the college football world if Texas is able to compete in that environment. Yeah, uh, that'll definitely be the hey, you're playing the SEC now. Do you want to leave? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's, it's going to be that type of game. I'm going back and forth here with a couple of games at this three spot, and one of which is an SEC game, and one of which is a, a non-con Big Ten game. Man. I think I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go... Oh, man. I, I'll go LSU-Bama here. 
That's fun, too. At, at the three spot. I mean, that's going to be a great game. People are thinking LSU is going to be better in year two under Brian Kelly. I agree. They got the best of Alabama this year. Another team that has to go to Alabama this year. Um, I just think that's going to be a phenomenal football game. I mean, you j- you just look at the two names, LSU and Bama. It'll I be mean, good. You, you know you're going to get a good football game. It was so great last year. I'll, I'll throw LSU and, and Bama into that conversation. I don't have to guess from my top two, so I'll be ready. So number two for you, sir. Uh, going back to the SEC here, Tennessee and Georgia. That is that is that game is going to be fascinating. Yeah, that's like, my two. Uh, where is Tennessee at? A year after losing some major pieces, um, you know, not quite able to get to the finish line in terms of like you got they got the big wins a year ago, but weren't quite able to finish the season. Another shot at Georgia, you got a shot at Georgia here. Yeah, I'm I'm locked in for this one, I think, um, and we'll see again where Georgia's at, right? Because that's one of the, the tests, few tests on their <laughs> eight conference game slate, right? So. I think that one's really interesting. I agree. That's at my two spot, and this will could potentially be for a playoff spot too. The fact that Georgia goes on a true road trip twice before going to Tennessee is absolutely absurd, in my opinion. Yeah. You, you play Florida at a neutral site in Jacksonville, as you do every year. The two road games that they have to go on are at Auburn, and it's not the Auburn that they've used to be. Mm-hmm. And at Vanderbilt, who barely has a stadium that's standing right now. Right. I mean, like, what are we doing? Like, why is this? I don't know who's in charge of this, but what are we doing? Like, why is this the two-time defending national champion schedule before going to Tennessee? Well, because everyone's doubting them. I know. That's probably the main reason. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. They get Ole Miss the week before at home, and then they go to Tennessee. Yeah, I agree. That game is going to be... Very highly anticipated, hopefully fantastic. I mean, Knoxville's going to be absurd that weekend. It's it's going to be so much fun. Game number one, and it's the same for both of us, but just lay it on us. All right, it's the game. The game. I, I By the way, one honor will mention for getting into my top five, Washington, Oregon, future Big Ten game. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Michigan and Ohio State can't really – I don't think there's a better game than this other than maybe the SEC championship game. Um, it likely will be the decider in the Big Ten East. Final year of dealing with that uh, and not in a situation where, like, hopefully a year from now where Michigan versus Ohio State could be a rematch in the Big Ten championship the following week. Um I'm really, really interested to see what Ohio State and Ryan Day does because there's going to be a lot of pressure, I think. Tons. Uh, on on both the individual and the program. And so does Michigan completely out-physical Ohio State for a third consecutive year? Maybe, maybe not. It's going to be a great game. It always is. And it, it is in Michigan this year. I'll throw an honorable mention out there that also involves Ohio State. That's Penn State at Ohio State. Yeah, I think that's that could be good. One. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's the game. It's probably the best rivalry in college football, depending on what part of the country you come from. But if you're in Big Ten country, it is the best rivalry and in the college Big Ten, football. And the Big Ten country is now the entire country. Well, yeah, so. pretty much. So, <laughs> yeah, Oregon and Washington, classic Big Ten rivalry, right? So, yeah, the game, I mean, it's got to be number one. It's going to decide who's going to go to the playoff from the Big Ten. Maybe both of them do again. I mean, right. who knows? That happened last year in Ohio State. 
many people think we're a field goal away from becoming national champions just to, based on off of off of how Georgia just manhandled TCU in the national championship. Yeah, I think game. that would have been closer, but yes. yeah, I I agree. But uh, yeah, that that is definitely the the most anticipated game. Um, if you want to throw biased in there at games that we're gonna be at, I'm just gonna tell tell you Nebraska Michigan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not yeah. for the country, but as a biased fan that uh, we will be in the building for. That's uh, also up there. Nebraska-Iowa so, again, too. That'll be good. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, a lot of great games. I mean, even week one, there's a lot of really interesting matchups. Obviously, Nebraska and Minnesota, the one that we are, we're highlighting here. Um, but, I mean, you, you got uh, just a couple of kind of – like a lot of Nebraska fans will have eyes on TCU-Colorado just to see how Colorado does if they get destroyed or if they don't. Um, one game, honestly, that kind of interests me, and this is only because Boise State is kind of solid every now and then, and um, I just lost who they're playing. Oh, Washington. They're at Washington, and that's on ABC. So that that, that could be interesting. Um, and then obviously uh, one of the games that I highlighted, LSU and, and Florida State, that could be uh, really, really fun. So it's going to be a great week one of college football. We are... Two weeks away as of when we're recording this. So tomorrow, 13 days away from Nebraska at Minnesota. That'll be on Fox at 7 p.m. Will the Huskers start 1-0 in the Matt Rule era? Or will there be, hopefully not, but panic going into Colorado in what could be a a must-win game for the Big Red? So anything else from you, Grant, before we get out of here? Uh, look, uh, keep uh, Nebraska volleyball in your thoughts. That uh, is also a, almost a, well, next week. Season starts yeah. next week with the triple. And volleyball day triple in Nebraska on 830. 830. <laughs> yeah. Not on 8:30. Um, no class that day either. No, so, thank goodness. But, good job, uh, everybody. Also, uh, the biggest offseason question mark there, where do things shake out with the setter? Does Bergen Riley end up? being the freshman who takes it away or does Kennedy Orr come in and you know get healthy from the sort of that knee injury that's sort of been nagging her throughout her entire time here at Nebraska and does she kind of kind of blossom into what people thought she would be when she came here that's the that that question the answer to it uh probably determines Nebraska's season and they have a scrimmage Saturday at the Bob, yep. so go check them out. Uh, get your volleyball fix. The Bob is always a great time. I love going to volleyball games. I need to go to more, but whenever I go, I have a great time. Atmosphere, obviously, off the chain, and it's it's always a fun time. So keep volleyball in your mind as well. We will talk about Volleyball Day in Nebraska more, too, next week as we get closer to that, which should be just a phenomenal event. I mean, that's just going to be so much fun. So uh, keep keep an eye out for that as well. So that will do it for us on episode 117 of Husker Sports Weekly. We talked about the most important game on Nebraska's schedule. We went higher or lower on record predictions in the Big Ten and gave our five most anticipated games in the college football season this year, as well as our thoughts 
on some of the situations in the wide receiver room heading into Minnesota. So once again, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson not Hanson. You can follow the show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks to find our show. We'll be back next week with you and we'll be a week closer to Husker football. But until then, go Big Red.